You ready to do this? I'm ready. Okay, let's do I'm, it. I guess. I'm, okay. Okay, okay so I'm going to introduce the thing, and then I'm going to hand off to you. Does that oh, sound all right? Oh, you're actually using the I'm ready? Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm gonna keep, we got to keep it loose, yo. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm breathing. Okay. Okay, I'm Jad Abumrad. This is Dolly Parton's America. I'm Shima Oliai. Shima is producing the project with me. And uh, this is episode six. Sixth journey. Let's start this one by jumping back for a second. To the beginning, to the... Uh, the thing that first grabbed us about Dolly. Here you come again. Is that when you talk to people about going to a Dolly Parton show, they often describe it as like an alternate reality. It was the most diverse place I've ever been. You have people wearing cowboy hats and boots, people in drag, church ladies, lesbians, you holding hands, little girls. It was always this picture of all of these different slices of America jammed together, groups of people that we think shouldn't get along, but there they are, standing side by side, polite, singing the same song. And really, this series has been driven in part by the simple question, how does she do that? You know, Judd, the question I wonder is, how much is she bringing versus how much is the audience bringing to make this magical space? Yeah. Um, This question really got lodged in our head when we spoke to this woman. Who gave us a different take on... Yeah. Um, yo, she's getting her headphones on. How to listen to Dolly's music. Cool. Okay, so here's here's Melodica. <laughs> I love that. Her name is Nadine Hubbs. In addition to playing guitar and the Melodica, both of which she brought into the studio the day we interviewed her, she is a professor at the University of Michigan, and she thinks, studies, writes a lot about country music. In the early history of country music, in the early days, she told us about... It was called hillbilly music. The look of country music. If you were a country artist, you might have to go on stage and dress up like a hayseed. What's a hayseed? So you would put on some bib overalls, you'd put a straw in your mouth. (laughs) We talked about where the cowboy uniform came from. Wait, so the cowboy, like cowboy boots, cowboy hat, cowboy thing, the whole cowboy look is of Mexican descent? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and it's been in development for 500 years. Oh no gosh. way. We talked about Lil Nas X. Whereas Blanco Brown's... Blanco Brown, whole bunch of things. But the real reason we wanted to talk to Nadine... All right, can we talk about Jolene? Yes. Is to talk about a song you know. Yes. Or at least think you know. Wait, can I just ask, when did you first personally bump into Dolly? Well, I grew up in what we now know as the Rust Belt in um, Ohio, uh, around Toledo, Ohio. Dad was a blue-collar worker. He worked on freight trains. Mom stayed at home. And my mom was a huge fan. And I have to tell you, I have a little sister, and uh, her name is Jolene. Oh! (laughs) After the song? Yeah. I grew up with that song. (laughs) Nadine told us that pretty much every week, she and her family would gather together in the living room and watch... Hee-haw. Or the Porter Wagner show. And every week on the TV, there'd be this curvy, smiling, super blonde bombshell of a woman with huge hair covered in sequins like a beacon of excess. Uh, As as we used to say out in the country, I didn't know whether to shit or go blind. (laughs) (laughs) But I was... I was a budding musician. And so for Nadine, the thing that actually drew her to Dolly was that gorgeous voice. 
And, you know, everyone had to hush when she came on screen or on the radio. Fast forward, Nadine's at the University of Michigan writing about country music, and she finds herself again and again coming back to Jolene. I mean, this is such a brilliant reimagining of a genre. Um, it's revelatory. It's a badass song, too. I got to say, like, of in the entire genre of Dolly's work, this is one that's going to be sung for hundreds of years. I got to say, though, like, once I read your stuff, I was like, I love this song on a whole nother level. <laughs> okay. So go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell us. Yeah. Where, where do we begin? So what really struck me about Jolene is that I, I knew a bunch of um, other woman songs in country music. What is another woman's song? So I would understand the other woman's song in country music as a subgenre of the cheating song. A genre that we're all familiar with in country. So a cheating song, it goes way back. It's usually sung by a man who's brokenhearted and is lamenting cry and cry. the lady lover who's cheated on him. There are literally thousands of these songs. If you think about music itself as the multiverse, country music being one universe, there's a galaxy called the Cheating Song. And if you go into that galaxy, there's a solar system filled with songs by women who are singing, not toward their man, but toward the woman who's about to take their man. That is the other woman's song. And when female country artists sing about the other woman or to the other woman, <laughs> the song gets kind of nasty. I wonder why. <laughs> so when Loretta Lynn does another woman's song, you, say you're gonna take him, you think of, but I don't think you, can. you ain't woman enough to take my man. Ooh. Or you think of Fist City? <laughs> that was a number <laughs> number one that? hit for Loretta Lynn in in 1968. Fist City? And that's back in the days when apparently she did have a cheating husband. And and one of the one of the lyrics is You better move your feet if you don't wanna eat a meal that's called Fist City. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you can think of more recent country songs like Carrie Underwood's number one hit in 2006 called Before He Cheats. And, you know, she's calling the other woman right now, he's probably slow dancing uh, with a beach blonde tramp, and she's probably getting So these are the more typical other woman songs. Badass. Angry. And having known the song Jolene practically my entire life, it struck me at some point, wow, look what Dolly is doing to the other woman's song. Honestly, one of the reasons we're talking to Nadine is that I read one of her papers where she goes through all these different aspects of the song Jolene. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. With that riff. That guitar riff that Dolly herself plays incredibly in long acrylic nails. Melodically, it keeps tracing this little, like, circular path as if she's pacing the floor or something. Yeah, it's like recursive loops going over and over. Yes. 
It's it's hypnotic. Nadine points out that melody, the whole song actually. The song is in minor, but it's not quite regular minor. It is Dorian mode, which we're getting kind of technical and musicological here, but... Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, instead of the normal minor scale, which would be this. With Dorian mode, you have... Is it just one note that's different in yes. there? Yes. It's subtle, but it's the sixth note in the scale, as opposed to... You get this. That little extra raising of the sixth note. Yeah, it's funny. It just gives it a whole different vibe. Exactly. Dorian mode sounds more ancient. Almost primitive. Because like in Western music, we used Dorian back in the Gregorian chant phase of history. And so with this riff repeating again and again in this mode suddenly it's like this woman pacing the floor or something she's not sure what to do and you immediately feel like she's been pacing for a really long time and then Jolene, 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 Jolene. and unlike Loretta Lynn or Carrie Underwood or any number of other singers she addresses the other woman by her name No word features nearly as much in this song as the name, which she repeats again and again as if she's fixated. And she starts her lyric, I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. With a plea, she begs her, she pleads with her, please don't take my man. That's really different from You better close your face and stay out of my way if you don't want to go to this city. <laughs> this city. <laughs> yeah. Nadine points out that right after that, right after that plea. In her first verse. Your beauty is beyond compare with flaming locks of auburn hair with ivory skin and eyes of emerald green. She sings rhapsodically. Your smile is like a breath of spring. Your voice is soft like summer rain. And I cannot compete with you, Jolene. About Jolene's hair and skin, eyes and smile and voice. About how beautiful and desirable she is. You know, she seems a little bit dazed. Skipping forward to the final verse, the song has three verses. She goes to describing her own vulnerability. I had to have this talk with you. My happiness depends on you and whatever you decide to do, Jolene. Does my happiness depends on you? about Jolene, and one of the things that makes it so haunting is how it's left unresolved. My happiness depends on you and whatever you decide to do, Jolene, is where she leaves off that that verse, and then we get another chorus. And throughout the song, the husband is so off to the side. And so when she gives this list of 
of everything she admires in, in Jolene and her beauty and says, I can easily understand how, how my man would want you. Am I the only person then who imagines her and Jolene getting together if this guy doesn't work out? Or even one more fourth verse that finds this love triangle dissolved into a, a three-way? So I wrote about this song in terms of homoerotics. What Nadine argues is that Dolly is taking this trope that is typically all about women hating on women. Instead, she snuck in a song that is all about women loving other women. Instead of hating this woman or vilifying her for being able to take her man, she's exalting her for all the reasons that she's able to take her man. Dolly has in this song a really novel, revolutionary approach to the other woman. Do you think other people hear the song this way, or is this... I I don't imagine I'm the... Well, look, when when Dolly gives us this much to work with, I don't expect that I'm the only person who has (laughs) felt this song this way. You you mentioned that you imagine a fourth verse where they get together, they have a three-way. Have you ever... Thought about writing the ver- the, the 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 verse. Oh, my God. oh that's a you great do it for idea. Us. Someone should do that. <laughs> a couple weeks later, she sent us an email saying, "I have something for you. You know, for this now, I need my little guitar, and I haven't played in a little while, so we may need more than one take. But um, this comes from you know out of the first three verses, and and you know how those go. And the the third verses, uh, you could have your choice of men, blah blah blah. So, um, I had to have this talk with you. My happiness depends on you, and whatever you decide to do, Jolene. Then there's the chorus, and then my fourth verse would go. Let me get this in a little closer. I'm glad I had that talk with you Glad we met in person too That place you took me to was quite a scene It's true that my men found you first But you awakened such a thirst Now you're the only one for me, Jolene Go ahead, Jolene, Jolene (laughs) Jolene, Jolene, begging of you, please don't take my. my (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that verse. It's so good. You like the verse? It's actually like really, really great. I was like, Dolly could. I could hear Dolly doing that. Oh my god! What if we show this to Dolly? Well, (laughs) if 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 you guys would send it to her, oh my god, we totally will. Good, yeah. Coming up, we do just that. We play it for Dolly, oh. and she tells us the interestingly layered story of how the song came into the world. Oh, you'll know that I wrote that about you. You, you. Dolly Barnes America will continue in a moment. WNYC Studios is supported by Wondery. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor, 
It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. It's Daily Barnes America. I'm Jad Abumrad here with Shima Oliai. Hello. Before the break, Nadine Hubs offered us this new take on Jolene that it's really a homoerotic love story dressed up as an other woman cheating song, like maybe Dolly was trying to sneak one in under the censors, so to speak. And certainly in uh, many of Dolly's concerts, she will replace the word Jolene with... So she leans into it a little bit. Um, in any case, Nadine wrote a fourth verse to Jolene where Dolly and Jolene, oh, I guess the narrator and Jolene, consummate their love. And she humbly requested, Well, if, if, if you guys would send it to her. And we thought, yeah. We wondered, too, what would Dolly think of it? And so... Okay. Um, we flew it to Nashville. So I want, we're, one of our episodes is going to be about Jolene. Are we doing pictures first, or do we doing? Uh, oh, are you going to take are a picture? Are we ready to do? Hey, Dad, around. can you can you take a couple of pictures the first few minutes? Just keep going. Do it. Do it the sideways too. It's not bothering me. No, no. Just do it like this. Do it like that. That's better. That not way. just the sides of her head. Yeah. Okay. My dad <laughs> so, was also there, but anyways, I can I play the verse you wrote? Well, yeah. All right. So curious to hear it. Here it is. I'm glad I had that talk with you. Glad we met in person too. That place you took me to was quite a scene. We played her the new verse and she got the biggest smile on her face. Now you're the only one for me, Jolene. <laughs> Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. Oh, is that that's essentially okay. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's another take on it. That's, that's another take. Well, so she's thinking the two women get together. Yeah. And well, they had thought about that when we were doing the Jolene movie, when we were writing the script. This is a movie she made for Netflix about the song Jolene. Someone came up with that basic idea to say, wouldn't it be cool if the two women just dumped it, both of them dumped him, dumped the guy all together and mm-hmm. went on with their lives as, as friends. So, uh, how should I put this to you? So... Uh, I mean, a lot of people love Jolene. Um, Eventually, I, I, I fumbled my way into asking Dolly, was anything like that in her mind as she wrote the song? I mean, could you see this song as a homoerotic subversion of the other woman cheating song? I wasn't thinking. I didn't. I don't. You're overthinking it. I wasn't. <laughs> I just wrote it. It was just a natural feeling. It was just an emotion. And I was excited about the little lick. And I was excited uh you know, I thought it was a good song. But it's, do you understand why, though? Because it's like in, oh, yeah. in the song, you're saying, Jolene, you're so pretty. Your hair is so beautiful. Your eyes are so beautiful. Well, that would be, I guess, if you were a lesbian, you might <laughs> think that. But I was not thinking that at all when I wrote it. But that's fine. But then as we kept talking, 
she told us, kind of with a wink, let me tell you how the song actually came to be. I was, when I was with the Porter Wagner show, we used to stay after the show, sit out on stage until every single autograph was signed from everybody in the audience. And sometimes that took two and three hours. Mm. And so there was this, I remember this one little girl came up and she said, would you sign my autograph? My name is Jolene. And I said, oh. That's a beautiful name. I said, I bet your your dad's named Joe and you're you're named after your dad, right? She said, no, it's just Jolene. I said, well, I love that name. I said, I may write a song about that someday, and if you ever hear it, you'll know that I wrote that about you. So I was thinking, and I was going back to the bus. I was just trying to remember the name. I was going to write it down. So I was saying, I was saying it. So Jolene, 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 just so I'd remember the name. Mm. So all of a sudden, you know, that became, and I was going Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. Then I thought, well, what am I going to write about Jolene? You know what? I have to have a real commercial story to get played on the radio. Mm. You had to always consider all that. So she's trying to figure out how to make this song commercial, how to fit it into the universe of radio that existed at that time, and then. She thought about her husband and how he would frequent the bank. And she would tease him about how it was most likely because he had a crush on one of the bank tellers. And so um, so I just kind of drew from, you know, that little fun thing, the little jealous thing. It is true that my husband got a crush on a girl at the bank, but that was not that big of a deal. She says the bigger deal was that girl. The bank teller jealousy thing, that was just the commercial wrapping. That's the true story of how Jolene came to be. That's interesting. So what to make of this? I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, there's nothing overtly homoerotic going on here, from Dolly's perspective at least. But on the other hand, you have these two very separate stories pushing up against each other. Neither idea directly takes on what Nadine is saying, but they do create a kind of negative space between them. Yeah, you know what hits me about this? Like what? there's a there's a concept in psychology that it's like one of my favorite ideas, which is it's it's called the third. Mm. The idea that we like to think of ourselves as separate people who are doing things to other people and having things done to us. But this idea is that two people, separate entities come together and they actually form a new thing. The relationship is a new third space Mm. that is separate from either of them. Yeah. And it's a way of thinking about relationships as their own entities in a way. And maybe Jolene is like the musical version of a third space. And you know what? It's not just Jolene. Why'd you come in here looking like that in your cowboy boots and your painted old jeans all decked out like a cowboy's dream? When I hear that song, it just makes me think of every single time I've fallen in love with a straight man. How dare you come in here looking like that despite the fact that you are unavailable to me uh, with your painted on jeans? <laughs> Did you know that the South is home to more LGBTQ people than any other region in the country? Yes, 35%. Oh my 35% God. of queer people in this country are in the Southeast and in Appalachia. Okay, wait, before we get too far, can you tell me your name and... 
uh, your title when you're not being asked questions about the homoerotics of Dolly? <laughs> yes. Uh, my name is Justin Hiltner, and I'm a career banjo player, singer-songwriter. You are the first gay man to ever be nominated for an International Bluegrass Association Award. Is that true? I clarify it by saying the first openly gay man, but yes, the first openly gay man to ever receive a uh, nomination from the International Bluegrass Music Association is wow. yours truly. Where are you right now? Um, I live in a basement apartment in East Nashville. So the way we bumped into Justin is that initially when the podcast first came out, he was one of the first people who reached out to us to ask for an interview. He writes for an, a publication called The Bluegrass Situation. And we told him about how we were thinking about the song Jolene existing in this third space as you were sharing, Jad. Yep. And he was like, no, 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 no. It's not just Jolene. There are so many Dolly songs that are just like that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It really speaks to that kind of quality of Dolly's writing. What she's creating is really a choose-your-own-adventure kind of musical experience. I love that metaphor of choose-your-own-adventure. Choose your own adventure. You control the action. That is kind yes. of a, the entryway into all of her music, her thousands of songs. Right, and like my my entry point... I'll do uh, an Earl Scruggs tune. ...was bluegrass. Justin grew up in a small rural town in Ohio, in a big family of musicians. He and all of his five siblings were homeschooled. His parents believed that every word of the Bible was true, and they didn't want a lot of outside influence. I started coming out of the closet um, in 2009. I was 17. And he says for him, that entire journey can be soundtracked to Dolly Parton. All right, here's Silver Dagger. Starting with this song. Sing love songs, you'll wake my mother. She's sleeping here, right by my side. In her right hand is a silver dagger. She says that I can't be your bride. So actually this song, it seems like it has nothing to do with a gay man. But um, the lyrics describe a mother who is determined to keep her daughter pure. Every night she sleeps by her side and keeps a silver dagger in order to prevent her daughter from leaving the home. For Justin... It just reminds me of that time. He says he was learning that song at exactly the time he was trying to tell his family he was gay. It was really fraught. My conservative, Christian, evangelical family didn't really take it very well. We're on great terms now. Um, but then it was really hard, and I was essentially on house arrest for about a year. I wasn't allowed to leave the house, um, really, for anything. I wasn't allowed to use the Internet without supervision. 
Um, I wasn't um, allowed to have a cell phone. I wasn't allowed to get my driver's license. So you, too, were under a silver dagger for a year. Yeah. It got to a point where I couldn't live life. And so... A few days before his 18th birthday? I uh, literally left town in the middle of the night without saying goodbye. My uh, boyfriend at the time drove up from West Virginia, picked me up, um, took me back to West Virginia. I stayed with him for about a month. I went across the river um, to Ohio to get my driver's license, and I drove to Nashville. And the first time I ever drove on a highway with more than four lanes was um, pulling into Nashville for the first time. And the whole time, he says... Wildflowers. He listened to Dolly's song, Wildflowers. Well, the hills were alive with wildflowers, and I was as wild, even wilder than they... For at least I could run They just died in the sun And I refused just to wither in place Just a wild mountain rose Needing freedom to grow So I ran fearing not where I'd go When the flower grows So I uprooted myself from my home ground and left Took my dreams and I took to took my dreams and I took to the road. Wildflowers are weeds. They've adapted to grow wherever they can, however they can, up through the cracks of the pavement. And that's, that's queerness. It's like, look, I'm going to grow wherever I can, and if you, if you aren't even just going to give me water from the sky, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. God made us as we are. Who we are is who we are. Yeah. Whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're black, white, green, or alien gray, we are who we are. I would just bow out if I was not allowed to be me. I would just say, well, if you can't deal with it, I can't deal with you not dealing with it. And I hate those Christians that are so judgmental when there are so many. If you're just going to pick out certain words, certain things from the Bible, and they forget about to judge not, lest you be judged. And it's up to him to decide, you know, what's right or what's wrong. And he made us all. And if we're different, well, that's fine. We're still his. Yeah, so on this point uh, from Dolly, there's no dolitics. It's very straightforward. Um, she's very embracing of her LGBTQ fans. Mm. But her songs do maintain a kind of radical freedom of interpretation of um yeah open spaces mm. you know my, my my sense of it is that like if you're i don't know i mean this is just my hunch if you're a woman writing songs in a male-dominated industry you've got to write songs that the male execs will like you know because she was talking about radio a little while ago but at the same time you have to layer those songs with things that are about you which makes you have to take on two yeah you have to sort of occupy two spaces at once you have to she can't just do the one thing. Yeah, yeah, That's no, what the no, white totally. men can do. Yeah. And my favorite my favorite story on this idea actually came just moments before deadline. This morning. Actually. This morning. It was this morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That's so close. We're cutting it on the song. Oh my gosh. Tell us about it. Totally different context than the other stories. Um, I hopped on the phone with this guy named Tokyo Seswale. Hello. This is Tokyo, right? Hello there. I can hear you very well. Hello there. Oh, lovely. That's great. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from New York. From New York? Yeah. Where are you exactly? 
I'm, I'm, I'm in Johannesburg. He was a freedom fighter in South Africa during the apartheid regime. I went underground to join the freedom forces to eliminate apartheid. Apartheid was the system of racial segregation in South Africa. Tokyo joins the armed resistance movement. He gets caught, sent to Robben Island, which is a prison, finds himself in the cell directly next to Nelson Mandela, who is the leader of the entire resistance movement. He told me how they were tortured, how they were beaten. But eventually, after many, many years... He said that at a certain point, the guards allowed Mandela to play music over the loudspeakers for the entire prison. And when I asked whose songs he'd play, he said... Dolly. Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Absolutely. Not only Nelson Mandela, all of us. Dolly. Dolly <laughs> the Western Dolly. Dolly sang from the heart. Do you remember which Dolly songs were played? Do you remember one do of... I remember the, which? Yeah, do you remember one of the Dolly songs that you heard Nelson Mandela play? He loved Jolene. Oh, wow. He loved Jolene. I just think about a night at Robin Island in the dark when Jolene is playing over the loudspeakers. The prisoners hear it in their cells. On the other side of the wall, the guards are listening too. And both groups of people are, are, are having the same experience. No human being cannot be affected by, by, by Jolene. According to Tokyo, this song is not about love, like Nadine would say. It's about fear of someone taking your man, of, of losing everything. The prisoners feel that because they've lost their freedom. And the guards feel that because their country's changing and they can sense they're about to lose power. Both are feeling the same fear, but for very different reasons. We are all human beings. The jailed and the jailer. But we all come from one country. But we all don't want to lose, whether it's your man or your country. Nobody wants to get hurt. Don't hurt me. Producer Shima Oleai. Dolly Parton's America was written, produced, and edited by me and Shima, brought to you by Awesome Audio, that's OSM Audio, and WNYC Studios. We had production help from W. Harry Fortuna and Matthew Keelty the Great. Some of the music you heard played was performed by Nadine Hubbs and Justin Hiltner. Thanks again to the folks at Sony, Lynn Sacco, Wayne Bledsoe, Tasha Lemley. David Dotson, Pat Walters, Lula Miller, Susie Lechterberg, and Soren Wheeler. We've partnered with Apple Music to bring you a companion playlist that's updated every week. You can find that at dollypartonsamerica.org. And speaking of which, uh, we've gotten a lot of requests for the full version of the Jolene remix that uh, I created for scoring that we used a little bit of in episode two. Uh, I spoke to the folks at Sony. They have graciously allowed me to play one minute of it for you right about now or in a few seconds and we've put the entire thing up at dollypartonsamerica.org so if you go there you can find it 
Uh, and if you also search Jolene Remix by Jad on YouTube, you can hear it there. Heads up, the next Dolly Parton's America episode will come out in two weeks. That's December 3rd. That's episode 7. And we'll just go out with a minute of the remix. You can find the whole thing at dollypartonsamerica.org. I'm Jad Abumrad. Thanks for listening. Dolly Partons America.org. See you in two weeks.